0: Ayers on the Road, parenting in a modern world. Here's Richard and Linda Iyer. Well, hello. Yes, it is Ayers on the Road, and we are in California this week.
1: We happen to be with some of our favorite grandkids here in Orange County. What, what's your, where, where, you, you, When someone says, where do you live, what do you say, McKay?
2: Well, I say that we live at Orange County Ladera Ranch, California. Oh, okay. <laughs> all
1: right. Well, that sounds pretty good. So um, we want to just start off by asking these two boys a couple of questions. First of all, what's your name and age?
2: Uh, I'm McKay and I'm 11 years old.
1: And how about you?
2: I'm Cubby and I'm six years old.
1: But you're almost seven, aren't you?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Any day now, Cubby will be seven. So just a couple of quick questions, guys. Um. McKay, how does it work in your family on the money thing? I mean, wh- what do you have to do to get to, to earn a little money for your own spending habits?
2: Well, we have a possibility to get your age amount of dollars. So, But to get that, you have to get maxed out points. Mm-hmm. And the way our points work is in the morning, you have to have your teeth brushed, make your bed, and get to school on time and stuff.
1: That's uh, so how you get your morning points
2: yeah and then to get our homework and piano points we have to practice our piano and do our homework obviously
1: yeah when you get home from school
2: and then after we do that we have we have dinner and then after dinner we have our job we have to like clean a part of the house and make sure it's all good
1: yeah so that's third that's three
2: and then the last one is nighttime points just brush your teeth go to bed be in bed on time
1: so if you max out, if you get all those, then you can get, uh, for the week, you can get your age in dollars?
2: Yes, but if you, yeah, so I would get $11, almost doubled.
1: How much would you get, Cub?
2: You'd get oh, your age.
1: Dollars. You'd get seven as soon as you turn seven. Okay. So, Cubby, uh, do you have any family laws? I mean, things you have to do, like laws.
2: No wearing shoes on the carpet.
1: No wearing shoes on the carpet. That's a, that's that's a good law. So you have to take them off downstairs or what? Yeah,
2: we take them off and we
1: put them in our shoes. Oh, okay. And then um, what about traditions? Do you have any family traditions? I heard you guys doing something after your after your morning prayer the other day, was that like a little saying or what would you call that, McKay? Your
2: family cheer.
1: Oh, your family cheer. Okay, Cubby. So let's hear that from you boys. Nice and loud. I don't I I can't do it. Let's hear okay, it. Okay, they gotta go. hold hands here. Hold Wish, hands it. Wish this is
0: video, it. but
1: um they're holding hands. And go. Courage,
2: kindness, great, respect. Families are forever, broaden and contribute and love more.
1: Right awesome. on, guys. Well, listen. I know your mom's got breakfast ready, so run and we'll try to struggle on and finish the show without you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thanks, guys. Um, Those—that's a cute couple. Um, that boy is named Jacobson. That's the youngest one, Jacobson, for my maiden name, which is so nice, and we've shortened it to Cubby. <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> makes it easier. I don't even think he knows his name is oh, Jacobson. Oh, he does. He, he thinks his name is Cubby. <laughs> <laughs>
0: of course, he thinks that. You silly boy. Anyway. Um, We are really excited to be um, here in California this week and we have just actually been to the tennis at Indian Wells. Um, I'm married to a tennis freak. Honestly, a tennis freak. That's honestly, what you call me. He huh? thinks, breathes, and eats tennis, and actually, I've become a fan too. In fact, I have watched so much tennis, I should be really good at it, but I'm <laughs> just miserable. Well, we
1: came down to do some speaking on on parenting, and we had a wonderful meeting last night with a lot of great parents, and and we actually talked about those same three things we we asked the the, the boys today, because it's our contention. That And I think some of you have heard this philosophy before, but the main goal all of us probably have with our family is, in a simple term, we want our families to last. We want it to be permanent. We want these relationships to be strong. We want to build a family culture that is actually stronger than all the other cultures that swirl around our kids, whether that's the Internet culture or the peer culture or the dreaded celebrity culture. Whatever it is, we want to have our culture be stronger. And, and our contention is that the three things that are always present in any institution that is permanent, whether we're talking about a school or a church or a fraternity or a country, all those institutions, if they're going to be permanent, need to have three basic things. First of all, a legal system some form of rules or laws that protects people and causes things to function without too much problem. Secondly, a family economy, some way to share responsibilities, uh, some way to designate who does what and so on, no matter what the institution is. The good name for that is an economy, a way to share responsibility. And third, some kind of set of traditions, set of rituals, set of things that keeps everyone feeling united and on the same page. And really, when you think about it, Linda, there is no institution that lasts and is permanent that doesn't have some form of an economy, a legal system, and a set of rituals and traditions. It
0: really is true, and we've are we done this with our kids since day one, and it is so fun to see this pass on down to the next generation. I was so interested to hear that Cubby thought the most important rule was not to wear shoes upstairs. (laughs) But, um, you know, you get it. There are just things that really, the kids need parameters. They need you to be able to, they need to be able to know what they can do, what they can't do. And sometimes parents need to say no. We were talking to some very important grandparents a few months ago and they said, oh, if our kids would only just say no to their kids. just." please, you know, during our era, no meant no. And wow, you know, and that was enforced and now um, it's just becoming um, a more of a a fact that kids are not
1: listening to no, they just go on. So it's funny you'd say that because (laughs) I, I think we say no too often uh, as grandparents. And I've, I've even, experimented with offering the grandkids a dollar every time they catch me saying no, and it's cost me a little money.
0: (laughs) Oh, my goodness. And it's such a great game. We actually have to stop that because the kids are so clever. They have tried to Connive ways to get him to say no, things that he would obviously say no to, and they think you know when we were with him, we were with him in California not too long ago, and they spent most of their time thinking how they could get you to say no <laughs> well, okay,
1: enough enough of that we're on a little tangent here, but let's get back to the premise. What about the idea that a family, in order to be permanent and lasting and have longevity and and hold this family culture? really needs to have those three things, a family economy, a family legal system, and a set of family traditions. And the fact is we all have those in families, but are they formalized? Are they, are they put together in such a way that kids really understand them and that kids really benefit from them? We hadn't rehearsed any of that with those two grandkids and, and it was interesting how quick they were, especially McKay, the 11-year-old, to explain in detail What their family economy is, you know, these are the things we have to do. And if we do them, we get this reward at the end of the week. We have this payday and we can earn up to what our age is. Every every family that we've seen that's developed this idea of a family economy is motivated by by the idea that we want to avoid the entitlement trap. We want to avoid kids who think they should be given everything and they should have whatever they want right now without working for it without waiting on it and so on. And, uh, you know, it was interesting to me, Linda, how quickly he he knew exactly what those things were that he has to do each day in order to get enough points that on Saturday when they have payday, that's how much money he gets. And and just that simple connection of performance and reward, how much I get, it's not an allowance, it's not some – handout. It's not some money that my parents give me automatically. I earn it by doing these things and how much I get is exactly proportionate to how many things I remember to do and how many tasks I complete. That's a pretty big, uh, and we want to tie this in this is what we spoke on last night to these parents. And you asked a question at the beginning that was pretty interesting about their own childhood what they had as jobs
0: yeah we we like to ask audiences what they did as children to earn money and wow the hands just fly up like mowing lawns paper routes babysitting working in a cafe what you know whatever and it was pretty interesting we said well then how many of your children have those same kinds of jobs and an audience of about 300, we had about maybe five, maybe 10, maybe 10.
1: Between five um, and 10. And but, that happens always when when we speak. I mean, always. we'll say, how many of you had jobs growing up? Almost every hand, sometimes every hand. How many of your kids have that kind of jobs now? Pretty much no hands. And, and people get concerned. You can see it on their faces. Well, should, should our kids be out working?
0: But some of them have legitimate excuses. You know, our kids are busier than we are now. I mean, our grandchildren. And our kids were busy, too, with extracurricular activities and music and art and all the demands of, that we get ourselves into. to expose our children to everything in the world. But it really is difficult to find a child that has time for a job.
1: It really is. And so, again, just like little McKay explained at the start of the show, a lot of families now have figured out that if they drop the idea of an allowance and if they just have a certain number of things that their kids are responsible for, and if they turn it over to the kids to keep track of those things, and then instead of an allowance day on Saturday, they have a payday and the kids get rewarded according to how many things they've remembered to do, then the money they have is actually earned money. And what they buy with that money, whether it's a device or whether it's a shirt or whether it's a pair of shoes, they're going to take care of those things because they've earned it with money that is really there.
0: Well, we should explain, though, that we we went whole hog with our kids. We had them buy their own I want clothes. Obviously, the basic clothes that they needed, uh, we got for them. But they needed to buy everything that they wanted. As far as toys or games, or uh, then it got more expensive with computer stuff and so on. But um, the I, the I wants are the important thing. They really need to be responsible for that.
1: So again, the theme of today's show is three things you need to have in order to keep your family together. And we've talked a little about the family economy. We'll take a brief break, and when we come back, we'll talk a little more about the other two requirements to make an institution last namely family traditions and rituals and some family laws. We'll be right back after this short break.
0: Iyer's on the road, parenting in a modern world. Here's Richard and Linda Iyer. And we're back. Um, we're talking today about the importance of having three systems in your family that every organization in the world needs to be able to last and that is first of all I mean not in this order necessarily but to have some family laws some things that the kids understand to have some family traditions that make life fun and exciting and hold your family together and to have a family economy
1: and you know last night in this meeting with parents we uh we asked, how many of you have family traditions? Well, of course, everyone does. Everyone has family traditions. And the question is, can we make those traditions institutionalized or solid enough in kids' minds that they really carry on with them? And that they, and, and frankly, it's a pretty easy task, Linda, because kids love traditions. They love things to be the same. So have a calendar with all your traditions on. Have a big book where you list the traditions. Maybe maybe the kids illustrate those traditions. Do everything you can so that kids know this month we're going to do this and this and this. We're having a birthday this month. This is what our tradition is for for this birthday. Did we ask the boys about that? I can't remember if we asked them about family traditions. I know we did off the air and And uh, one of them said, oh, yeah, on my birthday, we always have German pancakes.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So whatever it is. That's so great. It is important. And you think, wait, that's kind of silly. Why worry about that? We have found that those traditions are the glue that keep your family together forever. I mean, after the kids leave, they come back because they're excited to be involved in something bigger than themselves. That makes them feel like this is bigger than just our little family. We know who we are and we are gonna be like this.
1: Well, you know, there's studies that are, I I find fascinating studies. Why do kids join gangs, for example? And the answer is when they survey kids that are in gangs, well, we have traditions there, we have certain colors, we have certain tattoos, we have certain way of doing things. Kids need an identity larger than themselves. And when you have traditions in a family and when you're true to those traditions, you honor them. Oh, that's what we had the kids do. They did their little family cheer. That's a perfect example of, you know, you have things that bind you together. We know families that have a family flag that have. A family motto to have a family mission, mission statement. statement
0: yeah um we do feel like it's really important for families to get together put their heads together and decide what they're what they're about as a family who are we whether it's a mission statement or a vision statement they often say or we we did it the wrong way, actually. Well, actually, we did it the good way, I think, because it took us a long time to hone this down. We went away for a whole weekend. We're going to hammer out a family mission statement. We're going to figure out what we're about. What are your favorite words And uh, when it comes to our family? And uh, we had a fun weekend. It was so great. But at the end, we had a full-page document. And um, three months later, I said, so what was our family mission statement? And they were like, um... Well, I know my words. Um, Basically, we want to be a good family. Anyway, we kept honing it down, honing, and they just couldn't remember. Finally, we decided our kids were not as smart as we thought they were, so they could only remember like three (laughs) or four words. So we did get it down to three words, uh, broaden and contribute, which means not much to anybody else, but it means a lot to those kids because we worked on it for a long time. So what it meant to them and to us was It's our job to broaden and learn as much about the world as we possibly can and be educated and get, a you know, know what you're doing in the the world. But then it's our job to give back because we've been given a lot of good things and we need to give back to other people. And I think it's made a huge difference in our family.
1: So so you get the idea that when we say family traditions, we're talking about everything from a little German pancake on a kid's birthday that he knows happens every year, all the way to some really carefully crafted family mission statement that maybe hangs in the the hallway. Anything that sort of gives the family this feeling of identity and solidarity and predictability, that's the thing that kids really, really crave and need within their lives.
0: Yeah, and in fact, we added – two more words a few years later oh, a lot of years later maybe uh, when our kids are mature and some of them had left home we decided that we were going to just add two more words and that was love more love more means so much in our family um, we had a daughter who actually carved it on a wooden board and painted it and put it above their door so that the kids when they walked out the door knew that their job that day as they left was to love more or in family situations when things get hard they just think, you know, we need to love more. And uh, it really has made a big difference, I think.
1: A story I often tell that illustrates the power of family traditions, and I'll make it really simple and short, is that one of the things we used to do in our family on my birthday, which happens to be in the fall, is to rake up leaves and jump in them. And the kids knew, you know, it's Dad's birthday. We've got to do our tradition of autumn leaves and and jumping out of trees into the leaves and stuffing them down each other's back and having a crazy wild time and i actually thought that tradition would die out i thought it was a little silly the kids enjoy it well they're little but they're not going to want to do it when they're teenagers on the, this makes the point on the contrary they wanted to cling to that tradition we've got to keep doing it dad we're going to invite friends over we'll have our chocolate we'll jump in the leaves it's our tradition we have to do it on your birthday and then the point of the story is there came a time when two of them were gone. They had left, one, one to go on an LDS mission and one to go away to college. And I thought, well, you know, I miss them. It's kind of sad that I'm without my two oldest kids on my really birthday. Really sad. Really sad. But I went to the mailbox that day, and there were two birthday cards. I thought they remembered, yes. And some of you may be well ahead of me on this story, but I opened the first envelope, and it's not a card. It's a leaf. And it's got a little post-it note tacked onto the leaf. And it says, Dad, I'm here in Bulgaria on my mission, working at an orphanage. This is a Bulgarian leaf. The orphans helped me honor your tradition. Don't forget, even though I'm far away, I'm still part of our family. And that, that really taught me that these things are more than silly little games we play. They are, like you say, Linda, the glue that holds family together. By the way, the other one was from our son. It was also a leaf. They hadn't talked to each other, but this is a boy. It had no post-it note. It was just a leaf, and I could see our son Josh in his dormitory at school saying, oh, I'll just send Dad a leaf. He'll know exactly what it means. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, that is the difference between girls and boys normally. So, uh, But I, let's go back to laws for just a minute
1: because – we didn't t- say family how family laws by the way we've discovered that the laws is probably a better term than rules so i don't know what it is something about rules seems arbitrary and authoritative and and uh, kids resist rules whereas if, if it's family laws same you know we have we have traffic laws why the, do we have them we will do. they keep yeah. us safe why, we have country laws why do we have them well they They protect us and so on. Well, what about family laws? What should our laws be? It's great to get kids involved in the discussion. We're creating a family legal system here. We're all part of this family. What do you think our family laws should be? And what do you think the consequences should be if we break a family law?
0: absolutely and we uh, once again went at this at a very in a very complicated way we started with our first two kids we were three and two our little girls and we had a family meeting you know nominations are now open for family laws what do you think you know and the three-year-old was like oh i know i know never hit other little girls and her <laughs> other little girl was sitting there by him <laughs> so that that's a great idea let's write it and then the two-year-old's like thinking really hard oh, uh, never pud in puds which was all she could do at that point just she couldn't say plugs because we just caught her the night before going to an outlet with a fork <laughs> and it, it was really meaningful to her and so she thought that should be a family law well to make a long story short we just kept adding and adding and adding on as things happened in the house and oh we shouldn't do that we shouldn't do that and five years later our oldest now eight years old said um mom We have 32 family laws in Mm -hmm. the whole Bible. There's only 10 commandments. Come on. We got to simplify this. And we said, you know, touche, you're right. So we got it down to five one word laws. We hashed it out together and we had the kids help us decide what the consequences should be if that law was broken. It was a great exercise.
1: Well, you know, almost always when we open a question and answer when we're doing parenting, lectures or discussions, the first question will be, how do I discipline my children? I just need more good discipline methods as though the whole idea was, how do I punish my kids? How do I make them remember not to do these things I don't want them to do? And, you know, it's too bad when we think about it that way because a set of family laws where there are agreed on consequences or or things that happen if you break the law that really in a large extent replaces this ad hoc discipline and power struggle that goes on so often in families. If they're just a good, a good example, let's say, let's say one of your laws is peace. And if two children are fighting, The consequence could be they go sit in kind of a double timeout. They sit on a repenting bench, we sometimes call it, and they have to say what they did wrong, not what the other kid did wrong, but what they did wrong. Then they can leave and they apologize to the other kid. Well, they don't
0: leave until they go through this little thing, which we set up again in a family meeting. This is what's gonna happen. Go sit on that repenting bench, but you have to say what you did wrong, then you have to turn to the other, to one of us, or even a babysitter. We had babysitters involved in this. And then you have to say to each other, I'm sorry, I, 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 will you forgive me? I'll try not to do it again and give each other a hug. So it really is interesting. Figure out how it works at your house.
1: So but- whatever those family laws are, you just establish them, you write them down. So let's review a little. I mean, we've tried to cover quite a bit today, but. The three things that we really think families need to do in order to be permanent, lasting, strong cultures that are more powerful than the other cultures around them have a simple set of family laws, have some family traditions that you've written down and that you honor every time they come around and have an economy or a way of sharing responsibility. Every family can work that out in their own way. But those three things, we think, will keep your family together.
0: So that's your assignment for this week. Good luck with that. It took us about 30 years to work it out. <laughs> um, thanks for listening, and we'll see you again next time on Ires on the Road.